All right, guys, let's go ahead and get things started. All right. So funny, we were just observing how um, all you guys showed up so on time this morning. It's like, I was like, what's the difference? Oh, bacon, that's right. <laughs> we weren't on Athey Creek time today, that's for sure. Uh, well, let's get to it. Why don't you turn with me to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. We've been uh, studying through just some things with, with the guys on these Saturday morning ironworks. We've been doing them about once a month. And uh, I've really enjoyed getting together with you guys. I'm seeing good fruit from this too. It's just been really great. Uh, everything from hearing from you guys, but also um, I've heard from some of your wives. And uh, it's just that, man, what, what have you done with my husband? And that's really a good thing to hear, you know, that, um, that you guys are doing, doing some work on just being the husbands. We've covered stuff like uh, love your wives as Christ loved the church. We've talked about showing honor to your wife, even as we, we uh, studied that, I think, a few times ago. Uh, we've talked uh, about um, getting in the word and sharpening your sword as a man, uh, not to be a, a person with a dull, rusted uh, sword that's not ready to be used, but to have the sword of the spirit, the word of God as a, a key part of your life. And some of you guys have taken up uh, not only devoting time just devotionally in the word, but also uh, studying the scriptures. You know, study to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what the scriptures tell us to do and what we're supposed to be. So it's been good to see some of the fruit uh, from this. Um, so uh, there's some other topics I'm excited to cover. Uh, and uh, after the summer's over, we're going to pick it back up in, um, oh, let's see, probably September. Uh, and uh, as things wrap, wrap up from the summer, we'll pick it up again. And I've got a bunch of topics I'm ready to tackle with you guys. But I wanted to cover another topic for, for the summer and have you guys think about, pray about, uh, consider what the Lord might have you to do in the area of accountability. Now, this is one that I announced as, as this is what we're going to talk about. And I was thinking, man, nobody's going to show up to this one. Uh, so that's why we did the bacon thing, because uh, we knew that that would get you guys to come. Uh, instead. And the thing is, you know, accountability, I got to tell you a little bit about my opinion first, and then I'll show you what the word says, which is really the only thing that matters. My opinion is, I used to think, man, we all got to be accountable, man. We need to have a group of men, like Colson said, Chuck Colson, who went to prison because of the Watergate scandal back in the Nixon era. Some of you guys are old enough to remember that. <clears throat> but Colson was a guy who, by the time he was out of prison, he became a Christian, of course, and was uh, writing books and a really uh, good brother, you know. And, but he said, every man should have a, a couple brothers in his life that could put, that know enough about him to put him in prison. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, he, he was talking about being accountable, you know, to, to other brothers who know enough about you and, and can pray for you and come alongside of you. And so in my young years, I thought, man, that's what we got to do. We all have to be accountable. But then as the years went by, uh, watching ministry and, and being an assistant pastor for a lot of years, and then uh, even pastoring this fellowship, I've noticed that accountability groups uh, can become weird. And they, be, they can become legalistic. Uh, part of me wanted to just say, man, it's just, uh, those things are not working very well. Accountability groups, whatever. Uh, and, um, and I actually kind of went the other way. Not, not really that much, other than I knew, man, Lord, we, we need something here. We need to do something about, uh, just as men, and especially in a culture 
that's inundated with all kinds of temptations. Do you realize how many snares and traps and tricks the enemy throws at each one of us uh, every single day? And if you don't realize that's happening, then you're probably being snared and tricked and trapped. Um, You know, I I think um, even in the last 10, 15 years, um, just the, just the, uh, the iPhone itself is an amazing lure and temptation for men. Uh, and you can go along uh, doing your business on your iPhone, everybody thinks you need it. You can't exist without a phone, right? And so <clears throat> the problem is the, the stuff that's available to, to men. Um, the stuff that men do, I, I can tell you stories of things guys uh, do uh, to, to, to make themselves isolated and insulated uh, and and uh, and the problem is, uh, guys can do it if they really want to. I know a guy that was doing a whole thing um, where he uh, was actually an Athey Creeker, going to this church, family everybody liked and knew and loved, and um, everything seemed to be fine. But really, he had a whole other life going on behind the scenes, where he was uh, hooking up with another lady, paying her bills, uh, even had an apartment that his wife had no idea was even in existence. Um, uh, had a storage unit with a bunch of stuff that, uh, like, like the stories that I see get kind of uh, crazier and crazier as the years go by. Uh, and it has to do with guys sort of living double lives, triple lives, doing their own thing behind the scenes. And uh, it's becoming easier and easier to live that kind of a lifestyle. Back in the old days, if you wanted to send, it was a little harder. Man, you're on record. Uh, if you wanted to look at porn, you had to dress in a long coat and a hat and glasses and walk into a, in a you know, a, an adult uh, porn shop or something. Uh, you know, that, that's such a thing of the past. You young guys don't even know what I'm talking about. Uh, but the, the truth is you had to be uh, pretty shady to get into that stuff back in the old days. Now you can look pristine and everything can seem perfect. But, uh, and you can play the game. See, the problem with accountability is it only works as much as the man wants to be accountable. Uh, and so, you know, if, if you think that accountability in the church with brothers means that those guys will keep you in line. I got some brothers always, you know, getting on my back about how I'm supposed to do this, supposed to do that. That's just legalism and it's just weirdness and it's, uh, it's having dominion over people's faith. It's like in 2 Corinthians it says, um, Paul talked about how he ministered to the church. He says, I, I, I have not sought to have dominion over your faith, but to be helpers of men's joy. Uh, that's what Paul wanted to do. He didn't want to have dominion controlling people. He wanted to be a helper of men's joy. How can I make my brother that I'm hooking up with, the guy that I'm friends with, the guy that I'm talking to, how can I help his joy? It's not a legalistic thing. We'll talk about that as far as accountability goes. Now, there's different guys in this room, I understand. There's the guy in here that probably really doesn't need accountability. Um, uh, there's a few of you, maybe two or three. Uh, and, and there are some guys, I actually have met guys, I think I can honestly say, I, I think they're fine just the way they are. Maybe it has to do with their wife and the relationship that he has with his wife is so outstanding that they really hold themselves accountable one to another and he just happens to be one of those guys that doesn't struggle as much with lust or, or something like that, that he doesn't have to kind of make his wife his accountability partner, uh, you know, where it's awkward and weird and, and hurtful to her. Uh, there's a few guys that I've noticed that just kind of works uh, for them. Uh, and, um, and that's a small percentage. There's the other next tier of guy who's saying, yeah, I don't trust myself. I know that I can get into stuff and I probably should make myself more accountable or at least uh, have the conversation going with some other brothers, but I don't really know how to make that happen. 
There's others who say, man, I don't want any accountability because I want to keep doing my thing. And I hope nobody finds out. And Brad, I hope you don't make this too hard on me this morning. Uh, there's others of you who are, who are saying this. Uh, I was just busted. Uh, I was just caught in sin. It's amazing when a man gets caught in his sin and suddenly how uh, wretched the sin seems to be. Uh, and you realize how much you've been hurtful to your wife or to your family, to your kids. Um, and I, I suddenly you say, man, I'll do whatever I have to do, whatever I have to do. Um, it's always an interesting place to, to find a man when he's truly broken. Uh, a good friend of mine uh, had everything going on, everything looked great, rosy, uh, until he got busted, uh, you know, soliciting prostitution. And it, it turned his whole life upside down and changed him uh, radically. And uh, talk about broken. Uh, I mean, I've seen guys borderline suicidal because of that being just found out. What's amazing is the Bible promises, be sure of this, your sin will find you out. It's a promise of God's word. And so we all think that somehow we're the guys that are gonna get away with it. So what we need to do is take a look at our life, step back and say, where am I at with all this idea of, um, you know, uh, making myself accountable, uh, choosing to, to uh, let iron sharpen iron, like the Bible talks about with brothers in the church. Um, the reason the discussion often goes to uh, lust, it's because some of you really do have a good accountability partnership in your wife. Your wife is that person. And that works so well in so many areas. Uh, you know, if a guy makes himself accountable, in fact, it's biblical to be accountable to your wife. Do you know that? Uh, does anybody know a verse? Yes, exactly. Ephesians 5. We you know where uh, everybody likes to quote the scripture, wives, submit to your husbands. Uh, they love that one. But the verse right before that one says, submit yourselves one to another. That's the first thing. For biblical hermeneutics, that means rightly dividing the word. When you're studying the scriptures, whatever's spoken first in hermeneutics is the most important part. Uh, and everything after it tends to be lesser of importance. That's kind of important to know. So when it says, submit yourselves one to another, that means that we as husbands are to submit ourselves to our wives and wives submit to their husbands. It's a mutual submission. Now, uh, when it comes to an impasse and decisions and things you're praying about as a couple, there is a place where an amazing, smart, uh, in, uh, intelligent wife will defer to her husband's leadership and submit to that. And that's, that's that second area, that next verse. But, uh, but first and foremost, it needs to be a submitting yourselves one to another. That works really well for a lot of you in a lot of areas. But uh, that topic of lust can be a, a, a topic that uh, can actually uh, really discourage your wife. And, so, and there's other areas too that perhaps are better dealt with with the brothers. And that's why we even talk about this today. What does James say? What does the Bible say about accountability? Um, I don't even know if I like the word accountability because it's become something that maybe it shouldn't have been, like I said, maybe a little bit of a legalistic, uh, overbearing kind of thing that we try to do one to another, and it comes out kind of ugly. But uh, what you might call it biblically is one anothering. Huh? Yeah, one anothering. In fact, what does the Bible say about what we are to do one to another? One another. Uh, you guys know some of the big ones, love one another. Uh, that's one of the big ones. Let's take a look at a couple of the one other, one another's. And by the way, there's a lot of guys that say, I don't need to go to church. I just like to fish. And when I'm out fly fishing, that's my sanctuary. I just worship God. 
The problem with your theory about church out in the woods is it, it breaks down because there's no one another there except for the trout, you and the trout. Uh, you're one anothering, but uh, he's not really on the winning edge of that uh, for the most part. Um, but but the, the truth is to, to do what the Bible says about one another, that means you've got to be in a, in a group of a congregation with people uh, other than just yourself. Let's take a look at James chapter 5. Um, it says in verse 16, this is the kind of the focus I want to take a look at here, uh, behavior in the church. James 5, 16. It says there, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Man, that's a packed verse. What does it say? Confess your faults one another. By the way, this is where the Catholic Church came up with the kind of the plan of confessionals, where you'd come and confess your sins to the priest, and they made the little booth, and you had to do all that stuff. But uh, the Protestants kind of threw the idea of confession out the window and said, well, that's such a Catholic thing. But, but if you go back to the early church, what did confession look like? It, it probably didn't have a booth and a guy with a pointy hat and a robe. But what it did have is brothers and sisters who'd come together as friends and even going to the elders of the church in many places, uh, you know, the leaders of the church, the pastors, the bishop, the elder that's defined in the book of uh, Acts and, and other places, that you would bring your confession to them. Not that they had the power to forgive sin. That was where, again, sometimes the Catholics, I think, went awry. It, only Jesus forgives sin. Only the cross of Christ forgives sin. But when we confess our sins one to another, then what, what do you do with that? It says, confess your faults or sins one to another and pray one for another that you might be healed. You see, let's build a little uh, picture of what it means to one another or to be accountable or whatever you wanna call it. Um, I think the, the foundation part of this, uh, if you're building this uh, biblical model for what accountability looks like. The foundation is just one another. That means meeting together. That means knowing someone other than just yourself, enough to talk to them, uh, to be friends with them, uh, to be able to kick some ideas around. Uh, and, and it's not just to do that, but, it, but, the, but, but unless you meet together, the whole thing breaks down. That's the foundation. Without the foundation, these pillars I'm about to show you that are built on that foundation cannot stand. So one anothering or uh, being t uh, tied together with brothers, iron sharpening iron, one of the things you have to do is meet together. Now, some people say, well, that's going to church. The problem is, I was just talking to some guys in the back uh, about how um, when I started Athey Creek 20 years ago, I was thinking, oh, it'd be a nice small church. We'll have a great time. We'll hook up and one another, you know, in that best sense. We'll have barbecues. And we did. We had barbecues, we knew everybody. I could meet with everybody in the church in a, whole, in a week. I could, I could have breakfast, lunch, hook up with all the guys in the church, it was awesome. And then we grew past 200 and it became hard. And then we got to 500 and then it became impossible. Then we got to 1,000, it was like, man, we need to hire pastors, this is crazy. And then we got to you know, 2,000 and then 3,000 and then you know, 4,000. It's like, uh, what do you do? I've tried to offend people. Uh, I've, I've tried my hardest to make people just go and find some other place. Uh, but, um, but it's just what is. People are coming. I think people are coming because they want to hear what the Bible has to say. And we go verse by verse through the Bible. I think that's, it's not that we're flashy or have anything f fancy. It's just that um, I think people are hungry for the word. 
The problem is, is Athey Creek's gotten big enough to where it's so easy for you as guys to kind of cruise in and cruise out and not be known and not have that relationship that we see in the early church where they were one anothering. Plus, in our culture, it's okay for guys not to have friends. Uh, that's, that's kind of a girl thing in a lot of guys' minds, have uh, times of sharing. That's a girl word, sharing. Yeah, guys don't, yeah, when was the last time? Hey, let's have a time of sharing. <laughs> guys would be like, uh, never mind. Uh, I'm going to go eat some more bacon. Um, uh, the idea of, of talking with each other and, and talking about things that are meaningful and actually impacting to your spiritual walk with the Lord. There's something about our culture that sort of uh, bulks against that whole concept. Uh, and to go to a big church, man, you can sneak in, sneak out, not be known, and uh, be under the radar, and a lot of guys like to be there. The problem is, have you ever had this notion where you confess your faults one to another? There it is, one to another. And pray for one another. Have, do you have guys that you pray for and pray with, or are you the lone ranger? Um, uh, and it says, um, the reason you do that, that you might be healed. I wonder how many guys walk around wounded spiritually or uh, sick or diseased spiritually and there's no healing because there's no one anothering confession of sin and t- dealing with issues, you know, and working together as brothers where you can actually see healing because it says the effectual or effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's much uh, benefit from a fervent, righteous prayer. That, that, that's what we get to do as, as brothers, if we want to. If you want to, you can, you can be a part of a, a group of guys or, or uh, have some friendships that you develop where you can sort of do what James chapter 5, verse 16 is telling us. It's, it's this one another kind of a, a thing. By the way, the New Testament uses that phrase dozens of times in the whole New Testament. Uh, vivid descriptions in the New Testament of, of what our friendships are supposed to look like inside of the body of Christ. Um, it'd be a worthy study just to look at all the one another's uh, in, in, in their context. So the, the foundation is, is to meet together, to meet, but not in the greater huge group is, is the context there. Remember in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says that they met daily in the temple and from house to house. What's the difference? Well, do you remember when they met in the temple? Uh, do you remember when Peter started to preach there? How many people were saved in one day? 3,000 people. That's a big thing. That's a, wouldn't you say that's a big church? They met in the temple, 3,000 people were saved. So who knows how many people were actually there? They didn't even have a PA system. How did he even talk to that many people? But it was a gathering in the temple where everybody got together and the church was meeting together in a huge group. But then they also met from house to house and they, they had food together and they talked with another and had, had fellowship. That's the Greek word is koinonia, which is not just talking about the 49ers. It's, it's actually talking around, circling around the Lord himself. And so this idea of one anothering started right there in the early church where they had smaller places and times to hook up. Now, now we've tried to help facilitate that with home fellowships, um, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done there, or even men's Bible studies or small groups, just, just people hooking up. I love when I hear of you guys just getting together uh, without a sanctioned Athey Creek activity. I think sanctioned Athey Creek activities uh, are fun, but they often don't do the trick. Uh, what needs to happen is natural friendships developed within the church where you can hook up with other brothers 
and hold yourselves uh, accountable one to another. So the idea of, uh, of, of this, this thing of, of accountability, it needs to start with the foundation of just meeting, just meeting together. But now we get a couple of the pillars building this building of accountability. And the, the first pillar in James 5.16 is confession, confession. And that's mentioned right here, confess your faults or sins one to another, confession. And then the second pillar of good accountability uh, friendship is prayer. You've got confession where you're confessing your faults one to another. Um, now you say, well, Brett, if I confess my sins to the Lord, isn't that enough? All I need is the Lord. I would say, if it wasn't for this scripture here, I would say, no, just confess the Lord, you're good to go. What does it say? First John 1, 9, confess your sins to the Lord. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you can confess your sins to the Lord and he will forgive you. And you say, well, Brett, that's good enough for me. <laughs> I'll be the lone ranger. I'll go fly fishing, confess my sins to the Lord and I'm forgiven and free. And that might be true, but here's the problem. Why, why did you do what you did? Why, what was behind the motive of your sinful behavior? What was it that made you stumble or fall or overtake that sin to begin with? And there's something about talking to another sinner and confessing your fault to that sinner where you and he and maybe another guy or two could, could kind of pray with you, talk with you, uh, and get behind the real, what's the issue? What is it that gets you into that place to begin with? How can we do what the Bible says when it says, put ye on Jesus Christ, make no provision to fulfill the lusts of the flesh? How can we help you get to that place and, and encourage you? And what can we do to help you in that, that, that issue? And, and that, that can happen as we confess our sins one to another. In other words, it's not just that we um, confess our sins and are forgiven by God. It's what about the long-term future and what's gonna keep us from stumbling later on down the road. There's some benefit, I think, in confessing your sins one to another. So confession and prayer are the, are the first two pillars. Uh, and I've got uh, perhaps one more pillar, a three-pillar building. Uh, uh, and that's kind of the important part. Then we'll put the roof on it. Uh, so, so what's the foundation? Meeting together, right? Meeting together. If you don't meet with somebody, then you're not, you don't have anybody to confess with, right? Uh, or, or pray with, right? If you're not meeting. So the whole thing falls apart with no foundation. The foundation is meeting together. Then the pillar of, of accountability starts to be confession and prayer. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> <clears throat> Hebrews 10, I never eat before I teach. Uh, today I did. And man, I'm, I'm starting to realize why. It's hard to teach when you're coughing up bacon grease. Should just lube up the vocal cords, but somehow it doesn't. Uh, so uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. This is the salad of the Bible because there's three lettuce statements. It says in verse 22, it's Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together 
as is the manner of some is, uh, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Um, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25, the idea is to meet together and to encourage one another. The, the King Jimmy puts it as uh, provoke one another, I mean, like want to inspire someone to do something different. Um, uh, what is it? The ESV, I think, says to stir up. Is that right? To stir up one another um, to, to love and, and to good works, not neglecting to meet together. See, that's part of that foundation again. You got to meet up. Uh, and there needs to be kind of a regular meeting up uh, for that, that biblical accountability. And, uh, and so the first pillar is to confess. The second pillar is to pray with one another, fervent prayer. But I would say that third pillar of accountability would be to encourage. Uh, encouragement is a big one. Uh, the Bible tells us to encourage one another and to build each other up. And that's part of what we do. Now, um, now all that to say, um, we'll talk about what the roof is, the covering, uh, in a second. So you got the foundation is to meet together. Within that accountability group, you'd have a pillar of confession and of prayer and an encouragement. Those three main elements need to be part of what you do with your friends. Um, uh, the roof itself, well, I'll cover that in a second. But one of the things I want to say about this group uh, of people or guys or, or men that you might uh, hook up with, um, I think the relationships are cru crucial. Um, you know, um, to, to be able to truly be accountable, to stir up one another, to confess your sins one to another, to pray for one another, it, you gotta kinda know the guy. And that's the tricky part. Um, that's why I've been encouraging you uh, as men, especially on these men's breakfasts and, or men's ironworks, trying to say, hey, let's get to know more guys, get to, get to know each other. Um, it's not just because um, we're trying to shuffle the stage and get things ready for the teaching. The reason we really want you to get to know people is so you can start to develop relationships and friendships, people that are sort of like-minded. Um, now, now I'm going to say, we're going to try to put brothers together and, and artificially get guys. We're going to try it. I don't expect it to work that well. I'm just telling you right out of the gate. It's going to be weird. It's going to be awkward for some of you guys, but we're going to try it. If, you, if you're saying, Brett, put us together with a group of guys, we'll do that. The odds of that working are very low. You say, well, why are you doing it? Because if five guys uh, become friends in this, uh, then it's worthwhile. But, but what needs to happen, guys, is for you to find brothers who are like-minded, who you can hook up together, and, uh, and have a, a real friendship develop with that group of guys. <clears throat> and now what's interesting is you don't have to be the exact same guys. Um, one of the things I love to see <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> is, is to see the mature brother who has been doing this thing for a lot of years, the guys that are um, already kind of been walking with the Lord for a long time and has had a good season of success and walking with the Lord, to see those guys take on a, a, a group of younger guys. I love to see that. Uh, older men mentoring or discipling even uh, the younger men. That's, that's so crucial. Um, the, the problem that often happens is I see a bunch of the older guys that are just solid, like three really solid brothers who've been walking with the Lord and been married 30, 40 years to their wives and, and just everything's going good. Their kids are walking, everything's good. And those three guys are all meeting together and it's great. But part of me wants to blow that group up and say, now go find some other guys that need help. You guys are all good buddies and everything, good for you. But man, maybe you should step out into, into a little more of a, a, a project where you can help some of these young guys uh, along the way. 
But the relationship part is crucial. I think that, that you've got to have friendships to, to, to be able to stir up um, and to get into the, 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 the issues, to find out what the underlying motivations are and why we do what we do and to encourage each other and tap into to what we need to do to have a more godly walk with the Lord. Um, you know, uh, also taking your role as an accountability partner seriously. Um, you know, I, I was talking to a guy the other day and he was asking me some questions and uh, we joked because he said, I asked him, why are you asking me questions about this? And his answer was, well, I've got another guy I'm working with and he struggles in this area. I just wanted to know some scriptures. And I'm like, oh, sure. <laughs> you know, that whole thing, I was giving a hard time. Like, yeah, you're, but, but it's true. What he was doing is he had an accountability partner and the guy was struggling and, and this guy was studying and, and reading and talking to me saying, hey, what's some good stuff I can do to encourage my brother who's, who's struggling in this area of sin? And I was able to give him some ammo so that the next time he went into that meeting, he was able to say, hey, I got some scriptures for you. I've been doing some studying and praying about this. And he came in ready almost to, to present a plan of attack for his, his bro, uh, you know, to, to be ready to help him through the challenge. It's a little different if you stumble in. I think there's a scripture somewhere about, you know, this or that. Or, but if you actually work at it and come equipped and ready, because you care about the guy and you want to see him do well. Um, my dad, I remember um, he and a couple of his buddies, they had a guy at work who was just a raging alcoholic and his life was falling apart. And um, they literally took the guy and um, took him off the job, put him in a cabin and they kept a guy with them 24 hours a day to help him get off of this alcohol thing. And like there was a whole team of men my dad put together to help this guy to try to uh, survive. He was, he was really gonna die. It was a horrible situation. It was cool to see a team of guys who made it their job to really help this guy through the struggle. Um, and uh, I love that. I, I think that one of the things I've seen of uh, success stories of guys who've been under heavy addiction, whether it was drugs or alcohol, it often included a team of friends who took it by the horn and said, uh, we're not gonna let you die. We're not gonna let your family fall apart. We're gonna take you and we're gonna fix this problem if, it, if it's the last thing we do. And men that have committed to helping other brothers through those things, that, that's been a cool thing. That's one of the most successful ways I've seen that actually happen. So this idea of actually caring and having relationships, building uh, you know, the accountability relationship is, is kind of an important part. Um, and uh, I think the ripest fruit comes when it, it's a real friendship that is built between the guys that hook up. Um, that's probably why artificially trying to put guys together is, is a tough way to go. But it's a start, it's a start. Uh, so we're, we're gonna talk more about that. So the foundation is meeting together. Uh, the pillars are uh, uh, confession and then prayer of a fervent prayer. And then the last one is encouragement. Um, so the, that's the support of this whole thing. Now, uh, the thing that you gotta understand is there's, there's parts of accountability groups and what have you that break down. There's parts where it starts to fail. Can I give you a few of the, the breakdown problems? Uh, num problem number one. Um, when accountability partners are absent. Uh, how many times have I heard guys saying, hey man, I got this group, but one guy never shows up. Uh, if, if, if a guy is unfaithful to just the, the foundation, that is the meeting part, the whole thing starts to crumble. So you won't have a real accountability group if, if there's a no-show. 
Uh, I know that almost goes without saying, but that's the numero uno failure I see in this whole idea of, of friendship and accountability, uh, one anothering, as the New Testament puts it. You gotta be there. That's the first thing. So uh, they need to have a clear picture in their minds of what accountability really means. You guys can come up with a game plan of how many times face-to-face. Are you calling each other? Is there, are you shooting texts back and forth and reminders? I mean, everybody kind of has a different way of doing things. Uh, but what is it that you and your, your buddies could, could do to help each other and to be present? That's the first thing. Problem number two, when, a, um, when accountability groups are programmatic, um, that is, it just seems very contrived and programmed and it's very legalistic and kind of uh, routine. Now, some, some guys are kind of wired this way. If you're an engineer in the room, uh, you're probably one of these guys. You'd like to have a little chart and a graph and a spreadsheet that shows the times and where everybody, there's certain people that are just kind of wired that way, but that can kill the accountability group if you're not careful. It can't be too programmed. Uh, listen to what 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 says. It says, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. What is Peter? Now, remember, Peter, John was the mystic. John, the apostle, he was the holy guy. He was very deep spiritually, the friend of Jesus, the one who leaned on Jesus. Peter was the big goofy guy, a fisherman, who was a little rough around the edges. And yet, isn't it interesting the flowery language Peter uses in how we're to love our brothers in the church? He says, make sure and see that you've purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned, which means not fake, not fake love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Part of a good accountability group means you just love your brother with an unfake love. You know, hey, welcome to the fellowship. God bless you. We're glad you're here with us today. Ding, you know, none of that stuff. Uh, that's, that's fake. That's wacko. What you need is a brother who really knows you and loves you and cares about how you're doing. Um, that's a real key element to a good group of guys that are hooking up and meeting. Um, see that you love one another. Also, Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, be kindly affectioned one to another. There's one another again. With brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. It means putting your brother ahead of yourself. Preferring is the idea uh, ahead of yourself. First Corinthians 12, verse 25 through 26 says this, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but the members of the body of Christ, is the idea, should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member be honored, then all the members rejoice with it. Um, Paul, in talking about the body of Christ, he says, man, if one member is hurting, then everybody hurts. That's true friendship within the body of Christ. That's one anothering. You know, when you're, um, when you're out there swinging a hammer and you're framing up something and, uh, and, and you, you uh, glance your hammer from off the side of the nail and it smacks down on your thumb, every part of your body goes to the aid of that thumb. Man, your brain is committed to that thumb. Your eyes are looking at the thumb as it's red and throbbing. Uh, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're just, you're just it chills down the spine. Every part of your body, because it's your thumb that got hurt. 
In the same way, that's the body of Christ. When someone in the body of Christ is hurting, the, the, the body should react because of their love for one another. Um, that's best seen in smaller groups that actually know what's going on in a person's life and an accountability group. That's kind of an important thing. True friendship actually works the best. That's just the way I've seen it, true friendship. Um, so problem number two, when, a, when accountability groups are too programmatic or too uh, contrived. Problem number three, when accountability partners only confess, um, uh, and that's it, only confess. You know, uh, confession is one of the pillars of the, of the whole thing that I'm talking about, but it would fall down if it was only one pillar. It's almost like some guys think, okay, well, let's get together and just tell all of our, our problems and just talk about problems. That's, that's where a lot of groups break down. They, they only confess, but they don't really deal with the actual issue through prayer and also encouragement. They leave out the other two pillars of prayer and encouragement. If you confess, there's a tiny bit of help there, but the main help's gonna come through prayer and through encouragement. Um, after a humble confession, we should encourage one another um, with a sure full assurance of faith and the salvation that we have through our Lord Jesus Christ. Very important. Um, problem number four. Um, when, uh, I, I don't know how to put this one, but I'll just start out with this. When accountability partners are obedience-centered, you must obey God's word. And if you don't, you're in a bad situation. God is mad at you. That's the legalist. <laughs> this is where I've seen accountability groups break down and it becomes very legalistic. And guys sort of look down their self-righteous nose at their partner saying, oh, I can't believe you stumbled again in that area of sin. And it becomes very judgmental, critical, and legalistic. You cannot let the group get legalistic. And this is where we start to get to the roof, the covering of the whole thing. What's the covering of this little building of accountability that we're talking about? Meeting together is the foundation. The walls are the holding the whole thing up is confession, prayer, and encouragement. But the roof on top is God's grace. God's grace. And without God's grace, uh, we would all be in big trouble. We should all look down each other's nose at each other and be dis dis disgusted with all of our behaviors. And if you didn't do anything wrong, we should be disgusted at you for lying. <laughs> or maybe a self-righteousness. We should be disgusted at you. Um, you know, we could, that's the thing about a good accountability group is to realize um, that all have sinned. There's no one righteous, not even one, that we all fail. And if you think that you have not failed or you're better than the other guy, it shows how immature you really are. In fact, what does the Bible say? You know, Galatians talks about um, that we are to uh, um, be careful in how we deal with those who've been overtaken in a fault. It says, you which are spiritual, Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself lest thou also be tempted. What is that? Someone who's overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, you're gonna come alongside of them, not come at them with legalistic, man, you better stop that right now or you're going to hell or, or God's mad at you or God's disappointed in you. That's not the case. It's just not the case. See, the roof of grace is such a key. Why? It has to do with motivation and why we do what we do. Um, what is it, quiz time, what is it that leads men to repentance? Yes, it depends on what translation you have, right? It's the Lord's goodness that leads men to repentance. Or in some translation, it's the Lord's kindness that leads men to repentance. 
Um, uh, you don't ever really see great fruit come from legalism. The law kills, the Bible says, but grace, it's the Lord's grace that is so much needed. And so we forget the gospel. We leave out the grace. You know, it's funny how um, sometimes we, we mentally think, okay, I'm saved by grace, but now I've got to really walk by the law. That's a big goof. The way you're saved is the way you're supposed to walk through this life. It's the same thing. You daily walk in the salvation of Jesus Christ, the grace of Christ. Um, And this is why the gospel is sort of the roof. The grace of God is sort of the roof of confession, prayer, and encouragement. Um, You know, the, um, the encouraging each other in light of the gospel Part of the the success that many of us are looking for in this walk to be good husbands, to be good fathers, to be pure minds and to do right things and have integrity as men, one of the things that helps us with that is not coming down on each other, but but the idea is to, to remind each other our position in Christ, to remind each other that we've been saved by grace through faith. It's his goodness and his kindness. And when I disobey God's word, it, it, it's, it's actually me not being who I already am. Have you ever noticed how God sort of treats you biblically like you're already there? Like you're already a, a godly, righteous man. You're righteous in Christ. You know, you can read a ton of scriptures. We've been justified. We've been uh, redeemed, you know, and, and all these past tense words. It reminds me of Gideon. Remember Gideon? He was threshing wheat there in the book of Judges. Uh, but he was in a hole because he was afraid and he was a big chicken and he's there doing it and the Lord says, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. Gideon's like, you talking to me? I'm not a man of valor. But the Lord's like, yeah, you are. No, I'm not. Uh, Yes, you are. And and see, God was seeing him in his potential. God knew that Gideon really would be a mighty man of valor and he actually would turn out (laughs) amazingly to be that. In the same way, you might feel like I'm a failure. I'm a sinner. But when we see our position in Christ, that God has declared us righteous, to know that positionally in Christ, we are declared righteous, to know that futuristically, when we see him, we will be like him. Someday you and I are going to stand before the Lord and we're going to be uh, robed in, in the linen righteousness the Bible talks about. We need to see ourselves. That's who we really are. If you're a Christian today, you say, yeah, but I'm a Christian, uh, but I still have a lot of sins in the closet. But it's almost like mentally we have to say, no, I am, uh, Christ died for that sin that I've committed. So I'm gonna repent from that sin and become who really God wants me to be, become who he's made me to be. I'm not made any longer. I wasn't born to be that person. I was born again out of sin. I don't have to go do those things anymore. I don't have to be a part of those sinful things. It's a, it's a mentality that the Bible teaches it's not like you're trying to, you know, take sin and just push it down. It's, it's, it's you taking sin and realizing that's not really who God has made me to be. Understanding your position in Christ is one of the greatest things that will ever happen to you in the area of purity and holiness. It's, it's when you get that it's about the love of Christ that constrains you. When you get it's the grace and the Lord's kindness that leads you to true repentance. It's not out of guilt or out of shame, or out of condemnation, that you actually start to clean up your act. So if you have an accountability group that meets, and it's all about the confession, and, um, and it's all about, well, man, you gotta clean that up, you gotta stop doing that, then what, what starts to happen is it becomes uh, uh, the building without a roof. The covering is God's grace, and it's the Lord's kindness that leads men 
um, to repentance. That's kind of a key part of it. So all that said, uh, we've got the building. Problem number, f- what were we on, number four? Um, is we, for, um, we, get, we become obedience-centered, not grace-centered. Hope that makes sense. All that said, um, one of the things I want to kind of finish with is this. Without being legalistic, what does the Lord want you to do? How are you doing in the area of friendship and accountability? Maybe you have friends that are outside of this church, guys you work with that are believers. Maybe that's your group. But I wonder if you, with um, more of a a directive in your heart and maybe even a vision and a direction saying, I'm going to take hold of that group and let's, let's, let's make that something that's a little more rich or maybe a little more valuable than us just getting together and playing golf or, or you can do that too or getting together to grab a lunch. Uh, you can do that too, but what if with, with a little more intention, uh, t- intentional mindset saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort of turn this group around where we actually have the foundation of regularly meeting together and including the three pillars of confession, prayer, and encouragement one with another, but, ex- but having the roof of God's grace. Um, see, the, the lack of the roof is why I wanted to chalk off accountability groups altogether. Um, but with that roof, the whole thing starts to work when you realize we're saved by grace through faith and it's the Lord's goodness that leads men to repentance. Maybe that's within this church. You can just have brothers you already meet with and know. Maybe uh, you need to find brothers and, and make yourself more known. And maybe you and your wife grab some people after church and go out, take them out to lunch, get to know some other couples. Maybe you can meet those couples. And then if that guy seems kind of like mine, some of you, you could hook up with, you know, once a month or twice a month or once a week, whatever you want to do, you sort of make that part of your routine. Uh, I think that's a crucial part of every man's walk is to have people that are linked. You know, the Bible, you see these guys in pairs. You never see the Lone Ranger. Even when Paul would go through a guy like Barnabas, remember Paul and Barnabas, they were a tag team. But then they had a disagreement. So what happened? They went their own way. So then it became who? Paul and Silas. You know, and, and, and even Paul and Silas. And then Paul had Timothy, who he called his own son in the faith. I get the sense that Paul was a guy who always had brothers around him, even when brothers were gone, that he would fill in the gap with other brothers. And uh, you see that. Moses and Aaron, they were a tag team. David and Jonathan. Um, And then David had his mighty men. Three of the mightiest would hang close to David when you study that story. Um, But all these bad guys in the Bible, they were lone rangers. Saul had no dude that was his bro that could say, man, you've lost it, dude. You went to the witch at Endor. You need to realize you've got God who knows all things, who loves you and can give you direction. Why are you doing that, man? Let's, let's, Let's pray about this. Confess your sin, Saul. But instead... Saul just kept doing his own thing, being wacko. And he ends up dead because of it. Um, I love the Bible. It gives us all kinds of examples of guys who are doing it right and guys who are doing it wrong. I see having a brother or two or three who is in your life uh, as being a real healthy, healthy thing. One of the things I love is having a group of elders. As a pastor, I get to have a team of, of my governing body of elders and we kick stuff around and talk about stuff that, that's kind of important in, in our lives and in our ministry. And, and um, you know, if, if one of the guys are in trouble or hurting, we want to come alongside of each other. And it's, it's, it's kind of like we get the easiest uh, version, I think, of all those things. 
Um, and even within that group, I think we have uh, relationships that are, uh, even within that group, there's relationships that are deeper and friendships and stuff that I think are kind of a key. I like the, the way the dynamic works there. I hope that in a way, everybody could have that sort of a thing where you're kicking around vision and direction and life and marriage and kids and all the things that we face today uh, to have somebody to run stuff by. I've asked uh, a couple of our brothers here in the church. This is a group of guys that um, have been meeting together now for a few years. And um, um, they just kind of did this because they're just buddies, I think. Uh, and they, they have kind of what we're talking about. And it's been going this way. I didn't talk to them about it. Nobody asked them to do it. This is just something that just kind of happened naturally. I would like for Bryn, Chris, and Abe, would you guys come up here? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have them come up and we're going to kick around some questions. And, um, and also, I want you guys to be thinking about questions that you can ask them. Because I think these guys have kind of a neat sort of model of what sort of uh, what this can look like and what it uh, should be or could be um, like. So you guys grab a chair if you would, uh, and uh, I want to ask you guys a few quick questions. Are you guys okay? Tryptophan kicking in. Does bacon have tryptophan or is that turkey? I think bacon does too. <laughs> so uh, these guys are um, uh, all. All of these guys happen to be. Uh, elders and pastors in our church. So that's kind of cool. So uh, let's ask the hard questions to the pastors. No, I'm just, just kidding. So Bryn, why don't you answer this question? Um, how and when did you guys kind of come up with the idea? How did this come about where you guys said, hey, let's hook up with more of an intentional reason to hook up, not just to talk about four-wheel drives and stuff like that? We may still talk about four-wheel drives a little <laughs> bit. Um, I, I, we've been going long enough that I had to actually, we had to kind of kick around how long it's been, but I think it's been about four years. Um, about four years ago, after an event here late one night, Abe and I uh, connected right up there in his four-wheel drive truck, actually. And uh, the thing was is, you know, for me personally at that time, I was in a lot of the groups that Brett's been mentioning, a home group and Bible studies and going to church. But I was realizing... Um, you know, maybe some of you guys are like this too, but I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm the lone ranger. You know, I, that's been kind of my whole life. Uh, independent, I don't, uh, I like to have fun and hang out with guys, but I, you know, I kind of keep everything that's going on inside and private. And, uh, and I was noticing, probably the Lord been trying to change that for quite some time, but finally maybe I heard him and that, there was something missing in my relationship with the Lord, and I think that was part of that was because I wasn't in the right relationship with brothers. And uh, so I, I was feeling that something needed to change in my life, and, and it just so happened that Abe and I got a chance to talk one night late uh, here, and we, we, and we started kind of just sharing the things that were going on in our lives. And like I said, I, I hadn't really done that with anybody for, well, maybe for a long time or ever to the degree that we did in just one night. And we started just kind of talking and, and, um, and it just felt like the Lord was saying, hey, this is, this is good for you, Bren, like you need this. And, uh, and that's how I created you to be. I, I made you to be in relationship, real relationship with, with brothers, uh, not just with me. Um, and so all those pillars that you're talking about and, the, and meeting together, um, I was meeting with, with guys, but, I, you know, we, I wasn't addressing kind of those, the prayer and the confession and the encouragement, you know, in grace with somebody who's like-minded enough to understand where I'm coming from. It wasn't going to be judged. It wasn't going to be 
um, told that I just needed to fix this. It was going to be somebody that was going to kind of go through life, you know, with me. And, um, and that was new for me, and that was about four years ago, and, and, and Abe and I talked, and it, it just felt like the Lord, you know, that we needed to take it one step further and make it kind of a f- official for us. Um, we're all busy. You know, I know a lot of you guys. We're just busy. And, uh, um, but it felt important enough to make kind of a commitment at that point that we need to do something different. I needed to do something different. And so uh, Abe and I chatted a bit after that, and then we hooked up. You know, we talked the next week, and we're like, hey, we should probably just make this kind of a regular thing. And, uh, and then Chris, he's just kind of a third wheel, you know, like along the way. somewhere. Now, Chris, I, I mean, I'd known Chris for, you know, probably eight years at that time, and so we asked him kind of, you know, if he wanted to hook up with us as well, and it seemed like the Lord was kind of doing a similar thing in him. And so we started just catching breakfast uh, once a week, you know, like Wednesday mornings, just kind of making, we had to really make a decision, all three of us, to say that this is going to be a priority because it's really easy for important things, not just dumb things, but important things to make, uh, to get in the way of this happening. And so we kind of had to plant a flag and just say, no, we're going to, we're going to make sure that we do this. And that, that was about four years ago. Nice. Four years, man. It's been four years. That's, that's pretty cool. So Chris, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, what is Bryn's deepest, darkest secrets? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So if you guys all look up yeah. here, we got a couple I've got the screen. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, no, uh, uh, what, what do you find uh, is kind of the most valuable part? Like what, what do you feel like you kind of get out of, or even are able to give out of this group? Um, so, so this is kind of a tough one because I, um, honestly like this, this group, this type of format, I think is so, is so crucial, especially with everything that we, um, as husbands, as fathers, as, uh, even just as, as guys in this, in this day and age, we wrestle with, uh, with so much junk and, um, we're constantly, um, fighting off the fiery darts, um, and, you know, Ephesians talks about we wrestle not against the flesh and blood, uh, but against the principalities. And um, those things that we, we know are there, uh, the things that we enjoy to, to partake in, uh, that we don't want to get caught in, up in, uh, the things that, whether it's we're arguing with our wives, um, whether it's not making time for our kids, um, whether it's lying, um, whether it's... Uh, you know, I think lust is, is, is a huge one. And I think this, uh, it's something that we battle with daily, uh, hourly, if we're honest. Um, and if you don't have anybody, um, if you don't have a group or uh, any type of accountability, any way to uh, relate with anybody, uh, anybody to ask for help, ask for prayer, um, anybody to confess to, it's, it's real easy for, for those secret sins, uh, whether we even realize them or not, uh, we can justify a lot of these sins in our own eyes, um, you know. But um, but if we don't address them, they just they continue and they ruin lives. You know, they ruin marriages, they ruin your relationships with your kids, um, and they they will ruin every 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 area, every aspect of your life. So it's um, I think it's so crucial to be open and to be honest. Um, and by doing that, it's, it's a freeing way to live. It's hard. It's definitely, it's hard being vulnerable. It's, uh, it's embarrassing. It's humbling when you make a mistake and man, you know, 
Wednesday morning, I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to fess up, and I'm gonna have to uh, let these guys know what I did, and let them know that man, I gotta um, ask for help next time, ask for more help um, in order to avoid this the next time. Um, and so, I think one of the huge benefits of this group is that we've kind of set up a system in place um, that if we're wrestling with stuff, whether it's um, we're in the middle of a, a, a heated discussion with our wives, and it's so easy to lash out. It's so easy to be angry, to be mean, um, to say words that damage. Um, whether we're out and about, and uh, we are just constantly being tempted. Whether it's uh, people that we're seeing, whether it's something on our phone that we want to uh, scroll through and look at, whether it's a magazine um, that we're tempted to look at. Um, and it's nice knowing that you could, so basically we've set up a system where it's, it's just a little, it's a keyword text that we text each other and basically just ask each other for prayer. Um, it's simple and it can be uh, seemingly silly, but even the fact that you know that's there, um, I think is a huge benefit to help uh, fend off those constant daily, hourly battles that, that we all know are gonna be there every single day and we win one battle today and it'll be back tomorrow. Um, and if we lose a battle, we know the next battle tomorrow is gonna be even harder. And a lot of those sins, it's a slippery slope and it doesn't get better. It doesn't stay the same. A lot of, it, a lot of times it gets worse. And when, we, when they're hidden, when they're secretive, which it's, it's so easy to be secretive, it's so easy to hide those things and nobody knows. Um, you know, it's, we got so much available to us um, it's, it's easy uh, for that to just destroy, destroy your lives, destroy your wife, destroy your marriage, destroy your kids. Um, a lot of the decisions that we make, the habits that we form, uh, the sin that's in our lives is so far-reaching. Uh, it's not just us that we're affecting, but it's so far-reaching, and by letting that stuff go, um, it impacts so many people. So. Um, silly little text that we send out. Hey, I need help. I'm wrestling with this. Um, we've done keywords. So, uh, um, so anybody who's looking at our phone is not necessarily uh, aware of what exactly we're, we're saying, but we know. Uh, and even if the fact that, you know, they may not get that text for two hours and it may be, the battle may be over. But just the fact that I know that these guys are um, in the battle with me and we're linked arm in arm. Um, is a huge benefit. Um, and also, knowing that I'm going to have to confess that sin uh, the next Wednesday is also a deterrent in and of itself. Um, so, whereas that secret sin that we don't tell our wives about, we don't tell, you know, any, if you've got that, that mentor um, that you look up to, that you meet with, that we may not tell them about, don't tell anybody about, um, if you've got a couple guys that you completely trust, uh, that you can completely open up to, um, it's such it's such a benefit, and I don't I don't know honestly know why I mean I mean I do know why because it's it's uh, it's you're vulnerable you're scared um, it's it's very humbling um, and a lot of times we're just too prideful you know too prideful to admit what we're struggling with even though the vast majority of you know 98 percent of the guys are struggling with the exact same thing whether they admit it or not so um, there's so many benefits here. To uh, I made a little made a little list, but uh, there's so many benefits um, that I I I just man I strongly encourage you to 
to pray about it. Pray about the right guys, um, because I think it would be hard to be lumped with a handful of guys you don't know and try to be open and try to be vulnerable. Um, I don't see that working too well. I definitely think the Lord can work in that, but find a guy um, or two, hopefully at least, that you totally, that you can totally trust. Um, and uh, I think, man, your wives are going to appreciate it. Your kids absolutely are going to appreciate it. And as far as your witness goes, as far as your, um, how you represent the Lord, I think that um, is, uh, is going to be hugely beneficial in, um, in your walk with the Lord and how that's portrayed with, with others. Because knowing that other guys wrestle with the same stuff, um, like I said earlier, it's a freeing way to live, but it also helps you realize that, man, those guys you come into contact with on a daily basis, it's easier to ask those tough questions when you're confident, when you're confident and, you're, and you know that more likely they're wrestling with those same things too. So those guys who are just unhappy on a regular basis, those guys who are, or you, maybe you know, are struggling with, with sin, they may not realize it's as big of a deal as it really is, but asking the hard questions and um, opening up those conversations and because um, so many of those, those sins are so unfulfilling and so uh, perpetual. And um, so um, I guess my challenge for, for all you guys is to find one or two guys, pray about, um, pray about I guess dropping dropping your pride, dropping your uh, your manliness uh, enough to be open and vulnerable and and explore the the feelings side of things. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and 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 when you do it, don't waste your time. Like don't waste your time. Don't waste your buddy's time. Like do it and be all in and be be for real and uh, and open up and and uh, I think you'll find that. Uh, that you're you're way more you've got way more in common um, with everybody than everybody wants to wants to um, lead on or admit to it. You guys, you guys are some of the busiest guys I know. Um, I don't know. All of you are very busy. Abe, you're you're kind of one of the busiest guys I think I know uh, on the planet. Uh, so so being you know running with your business, doing he's been you know helping as our high school pastor for years and years as a volunteer. A church our size always hires a top-notch high school pastor. We got ours for free, and, um, and he's been doing it. But um, I kind of, I'm, I've stolen from the high school ministry. We're going to be moving him more in the area of everything from teaching and counseling. But I love to hear Abe teach the word, and he's got a lot of life experience to, to um, bring into his teaching. It's so good. So uh, knowing how busy you are, Abe, uh, uh, how, uh, how can you optimize the time? So when you guys hook up once a week, um, what, what's the best way to deal with that? Like, like uh, I, I know that it's tempting to talk about uh, fun stuff. And I, I, I've done this where I've gone with the intention of meeting with somebody and dealing with some hard things. And all we talked about was the fun stuff. And then, oh, well, I guess we're done. Bye. You know, and it's easy uh, that way. But what, how do you guys keep it? on track and stuff like that. So it's going to happen, obviously, um, because of the fact that you have things in common, that you're, it's a, it's a natural tendency to go straight into conversations about the game or what you did to your truck or all that stuff. But I think the reason why it thrives and, and how we've been able to continue to navigate and meet and sync up in the middle of pretty crazy schedules is... Um, the priority and the reality of the need. It's a huge need 
Um, and I think it goes back to even like that night that Bryn and I had out here at the property. And to me, you know, because we were talking about it earlier about how that it, you know, that, how that it formed and when it formed, even just trying to remember it was like four years ago. Um, I think that you have to get to a place before you even commit to uh, any type of accountability group um, that you're in a place that you're ready to actually to vest into it. That you're at a place where, like Chris is talking about, it's time to get feely. Uh, you're going to let, let go of your pride and be willing to expose, peel back whatever sort of wall that you had up, uh, what kind of, because uh, I mean, if we're being real as men, we definitely have a facade. Uh, you might be purposely doing it or it might just be a default. Um, but I think for all the three of us, for sure, over the, over the years of meeting, the big bringing it back home is that we all realize that we have a great need and we really appreciate the value that each person uh, brings. And one, we can trust each other that we, we are gonna have those times that we're gonna, we're not gonna be proud about the things that are gonna come out um, from maybe the week. Uh, and, and being honest, there's times that, because we do communicate not just um, on those Wednesday mornings, uh, but we'll text each other, uh, that we'll have definite schedule conflicts where we're going to have to push a week. Um, but even in those things, we communicate on if there's something pressing, even if, say, you know, two of us have something scheduled, we'll tweak our schedule um, and, and make it happen, even if it's for a short, you know, half-time session. Um, because we realize as husbands, uh, as, as fathers, that to neglect our walk to neglect those things that realistically, the fiery darts, uh, the things that, that um, can totally pull you away from the Lord and derail your walk and can cause real strife in your marriage and issues with parenting, that a lot of that stuff stems off of that, uh, being able to just confess those things we're struggling with. Or even the, the other side of it is, is that once, once you've made that commitment that you're, you know, for us, I think it came out of just really being tired of fighting off territory the enemy was trying to take, getting back your walls and being like, okay, and then boom, here it comes again. And just being sick of that, that it was like, there's got to be a better way. I remember the three of us just sitting down being like, there's got to be a better way. Like, there's got to be more to it. So we, we got down to the confession, but then we got into the mode of where do we push back those borders? How can we challenge each other uh, to be on the offense, not just on the defense, not just locking things down and, and like having this, well, don't do this, don't do that, but how can we get to the do these things? And I think honestly that what happens is when you get, for, for us, once you get to a place where you can see that starting to take effect as that those things that you are maybe hiding in the closets of your life, you bring them out and the word, the truth of God's word exposes them their sins that have been dealt with and their, their sins that are common. And, and you get freed from that, that you start to walk in this lightheartedness and, and it's, you really don't want to go back to that. So I think honestly, a desire to walk with the Lord, a desire uh, to have a good, clear conscience realistically has let, lent it to where we just make it work. And, um, and I think it's great, too, our wives are on board with it. And I think, like you were saying earlier, they see the benefit. They see 
um, our behavior in the house. They see, and even the fruit in being able to balance crazy schedules. Because honestly, if your day, if you're, you're you know, suppressing sins and trying to cover up and, and you're trying to stay on top of things, we know that you can't. You know, you're just so bound up uh, that you're not even working to the full potential. You're not, you're not you know, the, the man that you should be. And so being able to just come together and, and pray for each other, to lay things out, we can go out and really be fruitful, even in shorter time. Like, it's like uh, concentrated versions. Um, and so I think that it comes down to, though, that beginning stage of being like, just straight up be committed to it. I would honestly say that if you're sitting here and you're hearing all these things that are undoubtedly true, but you're still saying, well, I don't want somebody to you know, get into this area, that that's something that is deep rooted and it's the enemy ripping you off in your flesh. And, um, but I would say that, that if you would be willing to challenge even your own thought process on that and take it to the word, why would I think that I'm going to be able to fend off the enemy by myself? Why would I not want these guys? Why would I not want to engage regardless of what you have in common with each other? Because I do see how that can ease some of it. I don't really think it's necessary. I think you could really, if, you're, if your heart is to seek Christ first, you could take three people that don't know anything about each other, put them together with the purpose of exposing those things that are in darkness in their lives openly and having a commitment that, hey, we're sinners, we're not perfect, but let's, let's do what the word talks about. And in Christ, that's our commonality. Let's confess these sins with the purpose not to say, oh, you're like me, because I've seen that. Oh, yeah, oh, I did that. And then patting each other on the back, and it's okay, man. But with the purpose of rooting those things out, gaining that back in the Lord, filling that with his presence. Because then you can make it every week that you look forward to having that time with a brother to seek Christ and his will for your life and not allowing the enemy to take territory. So I think that if you're thinking, well, I've got to have the guy that's, ride on, we both ride motocross, we're totally into it. It's, I don't think that's necessarily true because all three of us, we do have things in common, but when you sit down, like if there was you know, a bird on the wall, it's, we're so different. We'll all share something and they'll be scratching their head going like, uh, what? I don't even know how. And then they'll start talking, I'm going, how, how do you get that? Like, but it's so beneficial because we leave and we're between ourselves and the Lord are considering those things, you know, and it's, it's huge. So the big thing that's going to keep us in it is honestly going to come from a, a, just being honest about a need and then going after it. And I believe once it takes hold, you'll find yourself desiring it and making it work. So, yeah, this is <clears throat> to me, this is kind of the A team. You know what I mean? Like they're the varsity. And the reason I say that is because these guys are, I look at these guys as solid guys. I, w- I would go to say, man, I, can I please jump in on this group? Because uh, it's, it's, it's the kind of group. Now, the good news about these guys is they're out ministering to other guys all the time. I see these guys with um, discipling younger guys and stuff. It's been pretty cool. But just what they've got as a team, I think that's kind of a uh, kind of a rare thing you don't really see that that often but if you could ever get to a place where you have something like this I think it, it'll just enrich your walk your family some I think something to shoot for something to think about do you guys have any questions for these guys while I got them up here uh, that might benefit uh, right here I'll start um, I 
definitely 100% because I think that we're going to be engaged in a battle regardless. So um, when you're in a battle and it's just yourself and you're, you know, obviously you're not alone with Christ, but when you don't, when you're just there with the temptations like Chris was talking about around every corner and you're just wrestling, you spend most of your life as a believer when you're kind of off on your own island, you're really not doing anything to affect the kingdom. You're really just trying to fend off your little personal borders. And so I believe that once you begin to, to actually be part of the body, that the, that the word really paints super clear for us uh, and, and be able to you know, engage with other parts that you start to have that someone else covering, someone else that's there with you fighting alongside of you. So you begin to kind of have a different perspective on your day-to-day battle to where you're, when the trials come your way, that you have someone else that you can shoot a text to and be like, hey man, will you be praying for this? Now the two of you are together and where the two are together, the Lord's right there in their midst. So I do believe that and I think that it's even changed. And this is a, is a tough one, is that over time, having as you, because initially, I think wouldn't you guys all agree, initially coming from no uh, accountability, no like real formed like get down to the root of things, it was a massive change. It was immediately just like crazy, even just to the, the simple truths of being like, those secret sins that no one knows about or struggles or areas, and it can be anything. I mean, the big thing that everybody is always like hiding behind is pornography and sexual sin, but some of the sins that just get blown by are anger, which can affect and tear apart marriages where you, you, you seemingly hold it down until your wife says a few trigger words and you blow up and you're tearing the door off the hinges once you have somebody that knows that that's something that you're struggling with and you begin to confess those things, you don't want to come back the next week and tell them that you blew the door off again. So, so there's even that side where just having that kind of accountability that you're like, when you start to feel that, you're like, I know we talked about it, I need to reach out. And, and I'm not, I don't think it's, I think it's yes, knowing that, but there's more to it because it's not like we send codes and then just go, oh, cool. We, we pray. If I'm driving, I get it. I'm praying while I'm driving. If I'm in a place where I can actually take the time and just straight get on my knees and pray, I will absolutely do that. And the more that you spend time with each other and realize you're asking the question, how did that go? What ended up happening? That you begin to find that the victories that, you're, that you as a group, but then individually are having in your lives that, yeah, you begin to see that you can reach out and then discipling, sharing with younger guys, Man, there's real power in being able to let that, like, share that and allow others in. You know, the thing is, uh, we are more than conquerors, and there is victory. And <clears throat> But the truth is, you know, I think that the, one of the things we we'll have to remember is we're always going to be a work in progress. Even though we're saved, headed for heaven, uh, positionally in Christ, we're perfect. Uh, but practically, we're maturing as brothers. And uh, there, there, are, there are theologies out there, uh, that, a doctrine that teaches that you can't arrive in this life and reach holiness. That's wrong. If Paul the Apostle, as an old man, said, I, Paul the Apostle, am the chiefest of sinners, what that tells me is when he was a young man, he said, we're all sinners. As a middle-aged dude, Paul said, I am a sinner. But as an old man, he said, I am the chiefest of sinners. And he even said, I don't do the things I don't want to do, and I do the things I uh, don't want to do. And, uh, you know, he, he was wrestling 
all through his life. So that's why I think this is so important. I think we will see progress and, and we'll see ourselves moving and maturing and growing. But the more mature you get in the Lord, the more you're gonna realize what a wretched, miserable sinner you are and why you, why you need this group. Uh, we're running out of time. Let's do uh, one more. Um, that's a tricky one, um, because you definitely want to be as open as possible, but you don't want to create more fear and more worry. Um, so, um, I think our wives have been under this teaching long enough that they know, um, very aware of all the stuff that we wrestle with. Um, and I think we kind of, I think we posed it initially as like an accountability group, um, that, you know, we want to help each other. We want to link arms and, and as a team battle a lot of these things that we face. I think we went, or I personally, I don't think went into the specifics necessarily, uh, but focused more on, uh, on, uh, just the benefits and also just, um, coming together as a team. And, you know, um, I think initially it was probably, you know, for me personally with my wife, I shared less than I do now. You know, so there's something to be said with in the last four years that uh, the Lord, you know, speaking of victories in my life, you know, and, and taking ground is that um, I'm more willing to be real with my wife than I ever have been. And I think the Lord used this group to do that. So in a sense that it started pretty, hey, I'm hooking up with these guys. We're going to try to encourage each other, pray for each other um, to the point where it was like, you know, uh, Jess, I'm. You know, as a man coming before you, my wife, I'm submitted one to another. I want your help in this too. You know, the Lord has been doing a lot of that in me over the last four or five, six years where now I'm teaming up with my wife in a way that I never had before. And I got to be real, that's, this is vulnerable. That's the next level in a lot of ways for, for a lot of us, I bet, is to, to have a relationship with your wife where you're vulnerable to the point where you're saying, I'm struggling with this and I actually, I want to, I want your help in this too. And it doesn't have to get to the crazy details and but to be vulnerable with your wife. And that was something actually with Abe that I've kind of learned. Watch, you know, I got to learn that from watching Abe and his relationship with his wife. And that came out of this group too. So um, I would say I, I would start, I would, you know, for me, I would say do whatever you need to do to make this happen, you know, to begin with. And then, you know, as you're sharing and as the Lord's changing it, you know, pray and ask him and, and he'll reveal to you. Um, what to take to your wife and how to grow that relationship, you know, as a benefit of this group as well. So, yeah. Well, that's good stuff. I, I think that the, the goal is uh, to just have you guys in the most uh, natural way possible say, let's, let's, let's take this on. Let's, let's get together with a group of guys. Um, so here's where I'm going to leave it with you. Uh, we're going to take a break for the summer with these ironworks. And uh, I'd like, if, if, you're, if you're feeling like this is something the Lord's putting on your heart to do, uh, just Try to actively uh, do it. Uh, if, if, you're, if your guy's already got a group of friends that you can kind of pull together and say, here's what I'd like to do with you guys for the summer, um, then give it a whirl and uh, let these kind of be your guidelines, the, the things that we talked about. They don't have to be hard, fast rules, but just some guidelines as, as to how it can work. Um, some of you guys, I, I mentioned, uh, if you don't have buddies that you kind of, maybe you're like a lot of us where you're more of a lone ranger and you just don't have guys that you hook up with. Um, we had you sign up and say, I'll hook up with whoever you put me with. Uh, a little bit of a, a gamble. You could end up with, uh, Ted Bundy as your, one of your accountability partners or something, but it could be, uh, but, um, 
but uh, it could be exciting. Be that as it may, um, uh, you guys, I'm going to have you afterwards, if you're still interested, we got a list of group of guys that signed up for that. And Kaipo's over there. He's by the prayer room. Right afterwards, head over there. He'll team you guys up and get to know each other. And then it's up to you guys. Some of you have already done it this morning, I've heard, where you're going to figure out when you're going to hook up. Um, but I, I'd like it to be at least every other week if you're going to go with what we're doing here at 8th. Every other week for the summer. And then my goal is in September when we come back together with Ironworks, uh, I want to hear kind of how that went. Uh, let me know uh, what happened with you guys. And... Um, and let's, let's see how it goes. I, I could try to formalize it more, but it becomes too programmed and I'm a little leery of that whole thing. So it's just something that's kind of up to you to sort of make it happen. Uh, we're trying to help a little bit with Kaipo and putting teams of guys together. If you didn't get signed up for that uh, and you're still saying, I'd like to do it, just put me with a group of guys. I'll risk all and do it. Uh, then uh, meet over there with Kaipo. He'll even get the people who didn't sign up. We'll try to get you guys hooked up with a group of, of two or three guys to grab breakfast or coffee or whatever you decide to do. But um, all that to say, um, yeah, it's like what the Bible's saying, you know, iron, as iron sharpens iron, that's what we're gonna try to do as a friend can sharpen a, another friend. That's kind of the goal, to just let us grow in faith, be men who are walking with the Lord. Uh, man, we need strong, godly men who are hungry and thirsting after righteousness. I see that less and less in our culture. The whole idea of being a godly man is almost laughed at today, but it's what this nation needs. It's what our community needs is just brothers who will be godly men. I think we need that more than ever. So let's all stand. We'll close with a word of prayer and call it a morning. And Lord, I am thankful for your word. It does give us this guidance that we're to love one another and be brothers who care about each other and uh, how we're doing, how our, our walk is. And I pray that we'd learn how to provoke one another or um, as it says there in one of the translations, stir up each other to, to love and good works and doing the right thing. And um, I pray that it wouldn't be contrived or weird, but Lord, help us to, to have, even as these three guys up here have enjoyed a friendship that has been uh, uh, sharpening and, and just an encouragement and where it includes confession and prayer and encouragement. Lord, may that be more and more common amongst the brothers at Athey Creek Christian Fellowship. So give us wisdom, help us to apply these things, Lord. I pray that you would work all these details out um, according to your plan and purpose. We thank you for a good morning, for the good breakfast, and now we go our way rejoicing that we can follow you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.